Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything in the current line of the Dawn of X X-Men comics. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by... Well, my name's Josh. How's it going there, my man? I'm pretty good, man. I have one quick question for you before we get into any of this. God damn it. Yes. Did you watch New Mutants? No, not yet. God damn you. <laughs> and for any of our other our longtime listeners, did you watch the last two episodes of Legion? No, of course not. Of course not. No. God damn it. If I watch it now, we're not going to record that episode for a long time. I'm just wasting. I'm just wasting it. I'll never remember. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch most of it anyway. So, so didn't watch any of the new movies, the the no. five star classic New Mutants. No, I did not. All right. That's I, fair. I thought about renting it at least three times in this last three days, and I decided <laughs> each time, no, I don't want to spend the money right now. So, what if I tell you? After we finally do an episode about God Loves Man Kills, we do a ranking of all the X-Men movies. If that's what you want to do, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to rewatch all of them, including the New Mutants one. I wasn't going to do all that, but well, I guess it's I've been watched a while them since I've seen them. Yeah, I've, I've watched them semi-regularly. I've seen them all within the last two or three years. If I'm going to put my my voice on a microphone and tell the good people who listen to our podcast my definitive rankings of the X-Men film franchise, I want the freshest look at them possible, I believe, before I do that. So I will. I will do that. I will go watch them. Yeah, so that's actually gonna, not a bad idea. Maybe I'll do that too. Just so, a complete current look at them. Yeah, let's, let's, we've got fresh out. We have this new found love of the x-men right it's always been there but we've rekindled yep. it to start a podcast so i want to look at it through the eyes of a x-men podcaster you can look and around not, and go yeah deadpool 2 not the best yeah no i'm i'm well prepared for that <laughs> i'm honestly right. not even sure if deadpool 1 will hold up it's been a while i've watched I've it a few it. times and it definitely hold like comedy is hard to hold up when you hear a joke over and over again yes but like all in all it does it's still a fun movie like i've okay. watched it at least three or four times in the last yeah. two years. So okay. I'm still, right. I'm ready to cry again at Logan. Should we do like a, a live watch of Logan for the podcast? <laughs> Just hear two grown men sobbing. <laughs> Who wants to hear men in their thirties crying at a comic book movie? <laughs> if so, hit us up and we'll do a live. We'll do a live. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You know, we'll do it for the ratings. That's a hundred ten percent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that's my that's my take on on watching new mutants honestly is i was thinking I, i'd like to watch them all and then just watch that one in as i get to it so would you or would you now try experiment and watch them in chronological order oh see i was thinking that i was thinking do i want to go this by the way great podcast content we're doing right now um yes. i was thinking of doing release order mm-hmm. but I could be I could be swayed into doing them um, canonically rather than whatever that means in the X Men universe, but yes, <laughs> as close to canonically as possible. Because technically, you'd have to start with Wolverine. That's true. Or Wolverine Origins, you have to start with that. Oh, then you God. do the the James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender movies. Yeah. Then you'd go either way. It would not make any sense either way. No, I'm just gonna, yeah. Let's just do a release date. That's that's getting that's getting convoluted even for us. And then when when do you even put in the Deadpool one? Anyway, yeah, so. right, yeah. Because when does that fall? Because it is like it does kind of fall into like a we don't speak of this era. Yeah, you know what I mean. They, we, like, they literally make a joke of it. So yeah, so fun hmm. things. So 
let's get into this. We have. Wait, what are we doing? We're finishing up Exosword. Finishing up Exosword. It's something I'm sure a lot of you already finished a long time ago. Whatever. We're here. Uh, Exosword. It's part 16. Also, Wolverine issue 7. So we're continuing these trials. So before I even get into this issue, when this was all announced, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to have like, you know, 10 trials. Each is going to be a vicious battle to the death. Okay, here we go. Um, we've already had a wedding. That was one challenge. We Which, did have a battle. It did have a battle. Death. And also, traditionally, most weddings are to the death, are they not? That is true. That is fair, actually. Okay. So, um, And then we had a battle with uh, Captain Britain and... Uh, what's her name again? Someone with an I? Iska, right? Iska, yeah. Iska the Unbeaten. So now we have a battle between Magic and what is it like? Pogaraga Pog or Pog, I believe, is Pogger Pog. And they're fighting. They're ready to have a major epic battle. They both have their sword in hand. And then Saturnine goes, No, this is an arm wrestling match. So yes. we have a giant armored alligator versus yep. magic. And uh yeah, alligator wins. The giant alligator beat her in an arm wrestling match. And, and I will say this, um, again, as native Floridians, this is bullshit. Alligator's arms are not that long. <laughs> also, he used the giant extra arms, not the yeah. arms he has. He didn't use his little alligator arm. Yeah, because I think that would have been more a fair fight. Because that would have, like, uh, again, as native Floridians, we have on many occasions arm wrestled alligators. And it's surprisingly easy. Oh, as long as their mouths are taped, it's surprisingly easy to beat them at arm wrestling. Absolutely. Tail wrestling, trying to mm-hmm. wrestle an alligator's tail with your tail, very yeah. hard. Very hard. hard. We don't have one. That's what you think. You're not <laughs> trying hard enough, my friend. You're not trying hard enough. So that no. means three one. Araco. Yeah, what was that? What was the word? Is it not Araco? Araco, yeah. Yeah, Araco to Krakow. I don't remember. <laughs> I believe it's Araco. I believe we agreed. It's Araco. So Arako 3, Kokoa 1. Next challenge. This, by the way, the art in this whole fight thing is awesome. Yes. Really love the art. Really but- loving what they're setting up here with Blythe Spoke. This realm, this dead realm in Otherworld. Yeah. There's a lot of hints they're throwing at in here that I think are going to be long-running storylines and Excalibur moving <laughs> forward. So we have the Summoner versus Wolverine. And this was very surprising to me just as the reader of it. Cause again, there's an amazing splash page where they're fighting and they're both their swords hit the ground and like it's broken shards of their fight scene. And like, it keeps going into some kind of weird space and Wolverine's falling into sand. And eventually Wolverine wins. He kills the summoner. Cause the sword he has like a special sword that can basically kill anything. And he kills summoner and for a second, I was like, okay, what's the catch? Because they wouldn't just kill Summoner now. They did. He's dead. Yeah. That's but crazy. there is still a catch because this is the other world. Oh, yes. So it was a fight to the death. And yes. um, Wolverine Summon- didn't die. Yes. So point. <laughs> Araco. Araco. <laughs> like that's- and I remember reading that going, motherfucker. Like- and it, it was in that moment that I was like, Oh, they're about to crank this fey fairy bullshit up to eleven. So yeah, and like I like studying a lot of Irish folktale and a lot of like actual tale of of fey and shit like that in college. Like 
it's like oh fucking course they're like really leaning into this like they've net they like they've been saying from the get-go like that this isn't just like a we're not taking this from the merlin what like king arthur's court we're taking this from like actual old school irish folktale and like folklore and like all the rules that the Fae have and all the, all, all the shit that's been going on in Excalibur, of course there's all this trickery because that's exactly what it would be if this were truly a Fae realm like they yeah. painted it out to be. So then we cut to the Crooked Market where they tell Storm and Wolverine just to have a drink. Of course it's not a normal drink. Never. Never a normal drink. They uh, basically are drugged, essentially. And they yes. think, oh, this is the challenge. Like, this is it. We can do this. And Krakoa does get a point. And then immediately, when they're about to kiss, oddly enough, they, they get a little flirty, about to have a good time. Um, there's another challenge going on between War, I believe. Yeah, War and, and Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. yeah. They're about to have a big fight. At the same time, Wolverine and Storm are about to kiss, and then Wolverine is taken out of the situation and thrown into the fight between Solomon and War. Solomon, Solomon and War, and then then he just leaves and has Wolverine fight for Akira, right? Yes. So what happens is he's he tells Saturnine, "Call forth my uh, call forth Wolverine. He owes me a favor. Remember in the last Wolverine book." The reason Wolverine has the sword he needs to get there is because he made some deal with Solomon. Yeah. This is his deal that whenever he needed him, he would call upon him and he would have to be there. So since Solomon doesn't give a shit about this fight, doesn't give a yeah, shit yeah. about Arako or Krakoa, he's like, I don't want to fight to the death. I'm out of here. A running theme, by the way, a running yes. theme that most of this team doesn't really care about this particular fight. They have no interest in it. Exactly. So, Yes, that was his ploy all along. Now he uh, scampers off, and Wolverine's left to fight in his his place. Yes, and this is a fight where the person has to lose a limb, something Wolverine can't actually do thanks yes. to his antimantium bones. So eventually, Wolverine wins the fight, but in doing so, gives a point to Akira. A- See, I'm not gonna say it. Araco. Araco. <laughs> so now. That's five Araco to Kokoa. Not looking great. Not looking good for our, our mutant friends. No, and War has one hand now. That's so true. One flaming hand now. Or one flaming hand, one normal hand. I don't know. That might be fire if the glove comes off. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? And that's the end of uh, part 16. So I gave this, I think, three X's. Like it's fun and it's continuing the story. Yes, at this point in the X of Swords, I feel like the next few books are all, to me, about three Xs because they're all just setting the stage of, oh, these are all a bunch of rig trials and let's cram them all in. Like the next couple issues just really feel like a mon- a, a montage of, of trials yes, until we get to the... Especially the, this next issue, but yeah. yes. So that brings us to X-Force. X-Force, number 14, part 17 of X of Swords. So we're back to having Pog or Pog um, fight magic. And I love this because I did not see this next page coming. No. <laughs> Where it is a fight and the gator, or I can say gator, whatever, gator eats magic 
and then magic realizes was it like prog means sword in their language yeah she figured that out that apparently pog pog means is sword or whatever like Which so means like, the suit he's wearing is a quote-unquote sword not the yeah. thing you see him holding yeah so there's a little troll man inside this body this whole time yes what? that was a little surprising to me too a little a little surprising right yeah yeah and then she just beat him up <laughs> One she point knocked Krakow. his ass out <laughs> point Krakow. <laughs> so yeah that's a weird one and then we just go through this montage of ridiculous things like um captain Br- oh not captain britain what's what's his now name? it's captain avalon captain avalon uh and war in like a torture challenge i apparently. guess yeah which of course uh krakoa loses and then there's like a rolling a boulder up a hill challenge krakoa loses yeah i <laughs> love that shot too because it's magic chasing her boulder down the hill yeah uh, we have, uh, was it Iska, right? Yeah. Iska fighting off some sea monsters. Krakoa loses. An eating challenge. Krakoa loses. A dancing challenge. Krakoa wins. We see Cypher dancing and everyone else looking kind of sad. I think I think Cypher brought home the cool moves. I think that's what happened. Yeah, Cypher. And uh, we see his new wife looking. No, actually, happy, they lose the, Krakoa loses the, da- the dancing one. No, they won that one, didn't they? No, because look at the eating challenge. It's 8-4, and then the dancing challenge, it's 9-4. Oh, my bad. Yeah, you're right. Um, so dancing one, I guess just Cypher had fun. So who yeah, won? He had, a, he had a good time, but they still lost. Who won? Well, anyway, I, don't, I just don't imagine War being a great dancer, but all right. Well, when Wolverine's not dancing, it must have been a team sport. So, like, Wolverine yeah. didn't pull his box. Uh, there's obviously a David Bowie Labyrinth challenge going on. Yeah. Uh, there's a puzzle challenge. Which they do win. They get yeah. that one. Surprising Magic won the puzzle challenge, but all right. Yeah. And a blind man. Yeah, but hey. Hey. Take... Somehow uh, Storm lost the fashion challenge? Yeah. they some At some point, somebody comments on that. I forget what it is, but I think it's because Wolverine didn't have enough energy i think that's the one where despite somebody says despite storm's best efforts wolverine didn't have the energy to carry the runway or something like that <laughs> uh there's a map challenge in that one weird dimension yeah that it's like magic and cable so obviously they lose yeah and then we have i lost my page cool 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 so then we end up at the Crooked Market, which is the realm where Jim, Mad Jim Jaspers is the, the man in charge. And yes. it's going to be Captain Avalon versus Red Root in a race through the marketplace. I thought this whole thing was hilarious. Yeah. You um, want to go through it then? Are you back? Did you get it? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Uh, we have these weird creature things. Not the same things from the um, sword spaceship. But very similar. Very similar, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, only so many ideas. So, <laughs> so many things um, we can do. She, Saturnine, immediately throws them all at um, Captain Avalon. And I loved some of these lines by Red Root. Just like, I feel like a sapling. Like, I'm going so fast. And like, he or she is so, I guess she, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Is so proud of how fast they're going. That she hits something and breaks it, and you see uh, the one dude in the crooked market just writing things down. Yep. Like everything has a cost in the market. Yep. 
everything. Again, more fucking fey nonsense, dude. Yeah. So eventually Red Root wins, but there's a cost for breaking things, and Red Root is shrunk into a jar. Yeah, she's basically taken prisoner. Yeah. But also, Captain Avalon caused a lot of damage, so he has to pay for that too. And uh, Saturnine promises to take care of it, you know, because of the you know kindness of her heart, of course. Yes, but now he's in debt to her. Yeah. Um, here's where it was. It was the Mojo data page about the montage ones where they were the runway walk off. Uh, I'll just read it real quick. So, Araco sure. took the point while Storm and Wolverine stole the show, although not because Logan was good at this. He was simply so uncomfortable that it was hard to look away from him. While Storm strutted the catwalk with a confident, swaggering walk, though it is believed this was due to her inebriation. Yes, yeah, so um, now it is 13-5. Yes. So not looking good for our mutant friends. No, at all. So then we go to more montage of challenges. Oh my god, the spelling bee. I forgot about the spelling bee. That's fucking hilarious. That is comedy gold. Magic is asked to spell magic, and she spells it with a K. And then she's just completely perplexed that that's not the correct way to spell it. Like yeah. literally, like when the, that isn't, she's like, wait, what? Like, I don't think she's ever realized that there's another way to spell magic. That's what's amazing. It does put the idea that she never realized that she's been spelling magic differently. <laughs> and That's then we amazing. have the saddest of all challenges. Holy shit. This is amazing. This is some of the best storytelling in four little frames I've seen in a long time. So we have, what was it? The great, the white sword. That's yep. the one. The white sword and Wolverine having to look at a mirror of all the people they've killed. And basically, you can't blink. Like, you can't show expression or anything. It's the first one to look away or blink will lose, yeah. Yeah. And they both progressively, even this guy who's been the toughest motherfucker in the world, starts to look like, holy shit. Wolverine starts crying. Wolverine loses by closing his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> they both kill a lot of people, and they just get to, I guess, look at this situation. Yep. Then we have Sirens calling to the X-Men as one challenge. Yes. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to take away do you want to take wolverine's best line ever oh wait which one is it look at the one where gorgon's running out to the as the sirens are calling out to them oh wolverine says to magic let's get out of here i think gorgon's going to fuck that boulder <laughs> yeah no, that's great. see i was distracted by the one right under it where the next task was to kill a cat, and Captain Avalon looks at War and goes, "You wouldn't." And then <laughs> like, tackles her, but he lo- He does not. He does not prevail though. They get Acro gets the point. So. They get the point. Yeah, she killed a little sweet little kid. It just fucked up. But she's like, got yeah. one hand, and she still killed that kid. Yeah, that was that was that one. I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, and then in my opinion, in this issue, we get to the main event. Oh yeah, versus Storm. Now, keep in mind, Storm is still kind of, like, dazed. From She's been drugged, which is causing her to, like, have a hard time using her power, too. And now they're, like, in this vampire dimension. And also, she does not have her powers. Which and... is, a like, again, 
love a good storm doesn't have powers, but that doesn't matter. Storm can still beat everybody up storyline, but like it's been done so many times. It's like, okay, it's a little cliche, but God damn, I still love it. It's still still great because wasn't it just done in this fucking story when storm got the sword from Wakanda? She didn't use her powers at first. She didn't No, but she did end up using her powers at the end. Yeah. But I remember reading this, I immediately thought of when she took over the Morlocks and yeah. how she didn't need her power. You know, like, yeah. I'm the best. I can beat death without any powers because I'm that fucking bad. I know. Yeah, like, it is cliche now, but it's still... But it's so... And, but, like, this this little bit, though, like you said, what makes this one better from all the other times, from the life-death stories, from taking over the Morlock stories to all the ones in between, this time she's literally fighting off death. Yeah. With just her bare realm. fucking hand. What'd you say? In a death realm. Like, yes, in, in, in a realm of vampires with just her bare fucking hands. Yeah, and she wins. Like, death even takes his helmet off to try and get her. Nope, she blocks her eyes and stabs him in the chest, kicks him on the ground. And, uh, well, he's bleeding, isn't he? As Storm says, and all the yep. vampires jump on him. Damn. Yeah. That was a great ending to that one. This, I, yeah, I, I give three X's, but it's also... Still better than the last one because we just get crazy montage after crazy montage of all his challenges. And you fir- you see more and more that the mutants, or I guess the X-Men, are not ready for this shit. <laughs> no, no, they are woefully ill-prepared. Yeah, like, wait a minute. I thought we were just going to have an epic fight. Like, that's yeah. not what's happening. Yeah, no, we were prepared for, like, a, a combat sport. We weren't yeah. prepared for running. We weren't prepared for any of this. Arm wrestling? What? Yeah. A giant alligator. So, our dear little Dougie is married off. What have we yeah. signed up for? Nope, nothing you're ready for. So, next issue is Exoswords Part 18, Hellions Issue 6. Okay. So, it was really funny before we got to this. I kept wondering what happened to Mr. Sinister's plan. <laughs> like, what, whatever happened to this whole thing? Why are we getting it this late into the story? Like, obviously, yeah. they didn't succeed. They, they didn't get the other team's sword. They did not. No. This issue is fucking amazing. It's Hellions, so good. Hellions, again, is just fucking killing it. So we start at one of the gates in uh, Akira. We start, at, we start at the Dryador Gate, which is the gate that goes to the world that they just conquered, that the war, that... Um, the little the fish people. Apocalypse's people. Kill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we have the Hellions team coming through... And you can tell they've been through a lot. Can you? What's your first clue? Because <laughs> mine um, was mine was Havoc losing an eye that I don't, we never saw happen. Or in his words, my eye, you piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> um, there, that's just the beginning of some great fucking lines and moments in this issue. Uh, we still have uh, Grey Crow trying to help out um, Empath. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he saved some rations for him. Don't tell anyone. Still taking care of him. Other members saying you should probably let him go now. He's like, but then he'll try and kill me. <laughs> like, I can't yeah, I, it's too late now. If I let him go, he's just gonna murder me. Yes, we'll get back to that. <laughs> yes, we will. So again, we're gonna go a little fast in these, and there's a lot more stuff happening. This issue, but basically, the team finds out after meeting another mutant in this realm which also is the first time kind of we have random mutants meeting random mutants of the other realm yeah which so, is really cool 
Yeah, because again, they are mutants. Like, yes, again, they're this is an Akroan mutant. Yeah. Or Acro, I don't know how they do there, but yeah. He's a so, mutant from Acro. Essentially, Sinister's whole plan, his whole reasoning for doing all this shit wasn't to get swords. Because oh. when they get there, he informs them the tournament already started like a while ago. <laughs> like, and then Havoc's reaction of like Sinister, you motherfucker. Oh my god, he's about to pound his fucking face in dude because Quite he reveals he just wanted the genetic material of these other mutants which is so i was gonna say it's so sinister it's very much in character of mr sinister just yes want it's genetic material from foreign mutants yeah it's so sinister in both contexts of that word or that yeah. phrase so now the team's getting pissed off and this guy from what i understand is also a geneticist, right? He's like, basically he's basically the act. Damn it! Now I fucked up. He's Acro. basically the Acro's, um, Mister Sinister. Yeah, and he has his own little group of genetic freaks. I didn't. Araco. That's, that's what we're doing. We're forgetting that. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna keep it straight. Now, every time I think about it, I can't say it, so I'm just skipping it. Right. So, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> uh, so basically, he has his team of genetic freaks, abominations, if you will. And they go off to attack. Now, this is where I'm a little confused. Because the first thing that happens, Sinister sends out his little drones that are going to take blood samples from these mutants. Like, his that's little mosquitoes. Yeah. But immediately, one of them shoots, um, not Orphan Maker, Nanny. Is Nanny, because they're, they're not technically an outer world. So she dies, she can still come back, right? Yes. Yes, it's only yes, when because you're they're not because they're not in other world. Yeah, yeah. other worlds are. Yeah. So if they're, okay, so because they're over here in Amethyst, whatever. There, this is they're in Araco right now, which, which is, is in, the Amenth dimension. Amenth, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's fine. Because reading, going like, oh shit, then Nanny's dead, right? Like that's it. Like so, no, okay. Um, so now they're kind of freaking out. And now Grey Crow has been released, kind of trying to figure out what the hell's going on. He's immediately getting stabbed by his little sharp things from one of the other mutants. Havoc now lost both his hands. Oh my god, poor Havoc in this fucking story. So he's lost an eye and both his hands. Psylocke is trying to fight them off. Obviously, they're really good. The giant creature from this other group rips the arms off Orphan Maker. So that's a thing. And then it looks like he eats him. Just and his comrades are like, or like the other members of that group are like, don't eat him. No, put it down. Don't don't let him eat. Like they were like freaking out about what's yeah. gonna happen if he eats. Not sure. Not sure what's going on there. Me neither. But like yeah. At first I thought don't eat him because they saw that like weird liquid that comes out of his body. Maybe, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But nothing, and I don't believe anything ever comes of that, unless yeah. I've forgotten. So, but we'll get there as we keep going. So, Sinister looks happy because his case is now full. They got the samples that he wanted. He puts it in Psylocke's hands, and uh, you take care of this package. I'll continue taking care of yours. That's the deal, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. Is that yeah. something about her kid that we learned about in that ill-fated fucking whatever the fuck? I don't even remember her Fallen Angels book. I don't know. 
Is there something? I'm. There had to have been something from Fallen Angels that we both have fucking forgotten about at this point, because that's where they interacted. So uh, then we actually see because we've seen her get close a wild child pretty yeah. well, especially whatever this journey they've been having. Yeah. And basically, he's like, she's like, hey, go cover us. Like you're going. Yeah. She sacrificed whatever he whatever Sinister has over her is enough for her to basically sacrifice Wild Child. Yeah. Knowing that, like, maybe he won't be able to be brought back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we don't know for sure. Yeah, the rules are up in the air. And then the leader, the the Akaro Akaro, uh, Mister Sinister, basically, whatever his real name is. It's tar. It's Tarn the Unfeeling, I think, or something like that. So Tarn, here you keep going. I'll I'll look it up. Yeah, he levitates Sinister and then slices him in pieces with his mind. So pretty epic. And there was even, a, for some reason, a dumb second where I was like, oh, no. Oh, wait, no, that's a clone. It's fine. <laughs> we don't know if it's the clone for sure, but it's most most likely a clone. Well, well it's like we said that last uh, last time we saw this, uh, we saw this version of Sinister. doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter who's the clone and who's no. the original. But, I'm sure the uh, clone died a long time ago. The other character's name is Tarn the Uncaring. Tarn the Uncaring, okay. So they get back to the Avalon gate and they're kind of waiting to see who gets there. And they see all these uh, mind controlled, uh, I don't know, priestess. Priestess, yeah. By Empath. <laughs> and then Grey Crow sees them. Oh my God, you're a genius. You did such a good job. And Empath is like, oh, uh, thank you. That's, thank, I didn't know you react so well. Of course. And then he stabs him in the gut, yep. telling him to crawl, I guess, crawl, bitch um because if you die here that's it mm-hmm. and that's gonna be on you so you better crawl <laughs> and i was like jesus yeah is this gonna be a thing every mission he's just gonna kill yes i <laughs> fucking hope so i hope this is the running gag where every fucking mission ends with gray crow killing empath well it's amazing because every time this happens he doesn't remember so he's like he's not gonna learn a lesson no, and even he's if he did, he's not going to learn a lesson. Like he's an awful <laughs> human being. He's just like quite literally a, a psychopath. So uh, a handless havoc, Psylocke and Grey Crow make it back to Krakoa, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. And then smoke hits everywhere, and yep. sinister killing them all. Yep. <laughs> he burns like. Well, this is actually a weird thing. He pressed a button which dissolved the skin of Grey Crow. Well, of course, because. He's been genetically fucking around with Grey Crow and the other Marauders forever. That's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. He would know everything like to down. To he pro- he's probably under his control at all times. You know what I mean? Like at the touch true. of a button, he could kill him whenever. Probably. Well, I guess that is a push of a button he's doing right now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean? yeah. Uh, he shoots havoc and stabs Psylocke in the chest. All so they wouldn't remember. Like their memory wouldn't back up to this point. Yep. Because their memory wasn't backed up when they were actually in other no. world no yeah. they couldn't have been they were too far away from cerebro so especially when an empath like just just barely makes just it gets there the and then he's like oh well it's gonna kill you too yeah but it luckily for empath though he died in krakoa yeah very <laughs> lucky for him and of course all sinister cares about is did you see what happened to my cape back there yeah oh he's dead Back to the Ooh. cape. <laughs> and then all, it ends with Sinister running back. Oh my god, help us. They're all dead. My precious <laughs> aliens are yes. dead. 
Oh my god, what a fucking asshole. Four so X's. Good. Four X's for sure. Uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. He's an asshole. It's ridiculous, but it's also laying the groundwork for more story for the future. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Because yeah, yeah. now he's got the genetic code for a bunch of Araco mutants and probably a menthi crap, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's got weird other dimensional genetic codes now. Nothing bad can happen here. Oh, no. It's not like, it's not like we know the future already and know that he betrays the mutants already. To make day. to make clones of like half bred clones that go out of control. No, there's no, there's no, there's no way that's ever gonna happen. Yeah. So, I give that four X's. What'd you give it four X's? Also, I gave it four X's too. All right. Then I think Hellions has a standing four X policy here, unless it's five. <laughs> you know what? That's true. That's absolutely true. I I can't imagine an issue now. Yeah. Like moving forward, I cannot imagine giving it anything less than four with this current creative team. You know yeah. what I mean? All right. So next up, we have X of Swords Part 19, which is Cable Issue 6. All right. So Cable Issue 6 opens up at the Quiet, Quiet Council. My favorite my favorite part is um, just how, like, it's Nightcrawler bamfing in, like, just, just immediately, where is he? Like, just very upset. Yeah. And... Um, Kitty Pride making a, a comment about Axel Rose. And then finally, the man they've all been waiting for who called this meeting, Mr. Sinister, is standing in the doorway and says, uh, I could not have come any sooner for I needed to uh, get my cape. I can't come to the Quiet Council <laughs> capeless. I, I respect you all too much, basically. Um, and Kitty Pride or sorry, Kate, as she is now, Kate Pride calls him out on, like, I'm sorry, we're in the middle of a war and you stop for your cape. To which, one of Sinister's best replies. Yes. Before Emma took pity on you, you look like you were dressing yourself with the remainders from the Xavier School Lost and Found box. So I don't think I'll take any fashion sass from you. And then just the look on Emma's face of, "Mm, well, that motion is regrettably seconded. (laughs) Like <laughs> we both agree, your fashion. Well, wasn't it literally when she was Sprite? Yes, like, Kate. Yes, no. Kate. Kate Pride historically has had awful fucking fashion. So that that was that was pretty funny. So he uh, tells the tale of what happened when they were over there, and he says, "You're not listening to me. The Iraqi mutants chewed through us. They're the Iraqi. <laughs> That's it. Oh, Iraqi, Iraqi. I don't know. That's what." This is like the dirty Iraqi mutants. <laughs> but that, like, how well, I don't know how else to no, yeah, no, it like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, that's what it looks like to me. I, it's not, that's, and that is, I think, what I keep getting hung up on. Yeah. I'm like, I must be pronouncing it wrong because otherwise I'm just saying Iraq. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but anyway, um, I guess it's, yeah, whatever. I'm not doing this again. I'm not spending another podcast <laughs> no, doing this. Let me get Jess again. No, no, no. It's <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. It's fuck em. Iraqi. And we're not talking about those Iraqi <laughs> motherfuckers. If you're listening to the X Men podcast, we're talking about the X Men shit. All right, so Iraq, listening to this podcast, this Hi. isn't this isn't the Intercept, motherfuckers. Go listen somewhere else. <laughs> so, um, back to Vice News's coverage of the X Men. We uh, we cut to other worlds, and we're about to start a new trial. I believe one of my favorite trials, honestly. This one's pretty fucking hardcore. 
So this one is, yeah. yeah, this one is white, the white sword, right? No, no, sorry. Yeah. I jumped ahead. Yeah. This one is cable versus Doug's, Doug's new wife, Bay. Okay. And um, it's a sword fight and Bay is a fucking warrior and she overcomes or she loses her footing though. Cable does get the best of her because his sword is also electric. He's about to finish her off when he like takes a moment of pity because Doug's his friend and Bay uses that and sweeps him off his feet. And then instead of killing him, she breaks his arm and makes him before that. Actually, I love the artwork in this scene. Cause like, Doug's face looks so sad of like that is my wife now yeah like, <laughs> there is that moment of like this is sad yeah you don't you don't see it when his friend's arm is broken though. oh there it is yeah no he stops him that's right okay I was trying to figure out so she's about she breaks his arm and then she's about to ha- kill him because that's what this battle is for but it's Doug who who stops her from killing him and in that basically cable yields um <laughs> Saturnine says, this is a battle to the death, but some deaths are of the spirit, knowing that Cable's spirit has basically been <laughs> murdered yeah. and his self-esteem is gone. So she gives the point to Araka. Um, In that moment, our, our baby boy Cable, who I've now adopted as the, the son of the podcast, yeah, um, calls out to his mommy <laughs> telepathically because his arm hurts and he's sad and he's embarrassed and his team is about to fucking get their asses handed to him because currently the score is 18 to six so (laughs) we don't know how many points you need to win no no of course not but they're down by a lot a lot quite a bit so um gene can feel that her son is in pain which again is kind of weird because it's technically not her but anyway um listen don't worry about it so anyway they have a strong connection uh telepathically well i do appreciate that uh young cable seems to be a stronger telepath than old man cable was yes definitely and i i hope if we get to a point where both these characters coexist i hope that's like their defining difference moving well well old cable his whole thing was he's using all his telepathy to stop the virus exactly you know what i mean like so like not doing that exactly so i like i like that he had i like that we have a chance to see a nathan summers who's more telepathically inclined than like guns and and like pouches inclined well i guess you can look at x-man for that also i don't want to though listen x-man happened he was a person all right he is I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> if you, you talk go, about Rachel and Cable, you can talk about X Man. <sighs> so anyway, so he's telepathically talking to Scott and Gene to tell them like we're losing. It's pretty bad. Son, forget all that. Who hurts you? Yep. And the best line, one of the one of the screenshots I took from this is when Cable tells Gene and Scott who hurt his arm. I forgot her name, but it was Doug's large wife. (laughs) And the look on Jean's face at the phrase Doug's large wife. (laughs) What the fuck is going on over there? So Saturnine puts an end to this, uh, to this telecommunication going on in her realm, which pisses off fucking Scott. Um, The two of them embrace and say, okay, Jean and Scott embrace and say, okay, enough's enough. Let's go get our son. 
cut back to uh, other world we're about to get to the fight i was alluding to a minute ago which i think is is one of my the best fight. fucking trials here yeah my, it's my favorite trial right here just because yeah. of the twist but yeah yeah so it's the white sword versus gorgon two sword masters um but white sword says you cannot fight me until you get through all hundred of my soldiers so he sends them out seemingly one at a time gorgon starts slicing through them then it's okay let's do two and three slices through them three and four five and six he keeps nate or young young uh cables getting pissed talking about this isn't fair war reminds him that nothing is fair because again nothing is fair in love and war but so, also during this time uh the white sword is really impressed yeah like he's having yes obviously the white sword is having a good time watching this excellent swordman but he becomes more and more over gorgon becomes more and more overwhelmed as he's attacked by dip, more and more legions and so finally <clears throat> the white sword calls the rest of his legion uh and yeah he starts slicing through as many as he can until he's just overcome and killed and saturnine finally gives Araco a twist and tells yeah. them by my count, Gorgon has slain 13 of the White Sword's champion, giving Krakoa a narrow lead of 19 to 18. So... <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, what? <laughs> so War is like, uh, motherfucker, get the fuck up and fight before he goes out of control. And then White Sword reminds them, I was just waiting for you to grovel. I'm only here because I want you to beg for my fucking service. Yep. So he gets up. And he tells him, tells Gorgon that he will give him a clean victory or, you know, clean death and that it, he will impose his will on him and bring him back. And Gorgon says, you can never impose your will on me, not over me. And Gorgon respects that, slays them, slays them and walks the fuck away. Gorgon is dead. And Gorgon dead. has died in Otherworld. So I don't, I don't know what we're going to do about that. So the score is tied, 19-19. Which brings us to our final duel. Or as Apocalypse says, it is a duel fated millennia ago. As it is Genesis versus Apocalypse. So at the cable ends with the battle log of everybody's scorecards, but I think you have kept up pretty well with that, yeah. listener. So that brings us to X-Men number 15. Which yes. is the penultimate Art. episode. No, it's not. Oh, it's not? Oh, that's right. Ex uh, I forgot about Excalibur. My bad. So that brings us to part 20 of 22. My my mistake. We open on Krakoa. Scott is, again, we're reminded about just how fucking beautiful Krakoa is. It's really nice. Like uh, all the time we're spending in Otherworld and, and we keep seeing glimpses of what's become of Araco, you know, like just. Oh, sorry. We didn't get stars last issue. Uh, I gave it four. You gave it four? I gave it three. Okay, I gave it four Three because I, I'm giving it four mainly because of the Doug's large wife panel. <laughs> so we open with Cyclops saying, "Are you ready?" And a poorly drawn Marvel girl coming out of the bushes. I wasn't thrilled with the drawing on this one, but um, she's ready. We don't really know what they're talking about, but it is they're going to approach the council about their plan to rescue their son and bring home the mutants. So they approach the council and tell them what their plan is. Their plan is simple. I'm gonna kind of like summarize 
both plots, yeah. I think, rather than cutting back and forth, I think. Or do you, should I just cut back and forth? No, no, summarize both. Yeah. Okay. So Gene and Scott have a plan to basically say, we started Krakoa for a land of the mutants. But right now, we need the X-Men. We need a team. We need a, a rallying flag to go in and save our people who are in danger. We're a government. You can't be seen interacting with that. I get it. I get that we have these new responsibilities to all mutants, but this is our family. And X-Men is nothing if not a story about family. So we're going. And well, that's why I loved this whole issue was really showing why the X-Men should still be a thing, even exactly. though we have a little at a page about why they're not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, that's why we're superheroes to be outside of your government. Exactly. Right? That's why we have to be a thing. We're, ne- Which, we're needed now more than ever. Ex- yeah, exactly. So I love, I love this, these moments where they're negotiating with the council, basically saying, we're doing this. Do we have your blessing or not? The council votes and says we can't we can't sanction this we can't just show that we're willing to because if you go and you fail and you go through this gate what's going to happen is all these other bad mutants are coming through and we're defenseless and if we let you go and you're not here and you fail the gates just open we can't like but if you go and we're losing that badly we can't risk everybody for you so we're closing that gate. Well, we can't risk everything for a few mutants on the That's other side. That's what they're saying. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. They, they're not willing. They cannot, because they're the government, risk the entirety and the entire safety of Krakoa for the lives of the Summers family and their friends. And they tell them, you can go if you want, but we are closing this gate behind you. It is too reckless to leave it open at this point. If if Cable is right and we are losing that badly, the next step seems inevitable, which is war, and we're closing the gate. So- also, a lot of these points are being made by Sebastian Shaw, and you have to like side with him a little bit. Yeah, he's not wrong. The, ca- no. the entirety of the council sides with him. Yeah, because he's not wrong. He's he's, he's not, not wrong. No, he's a bad guy, but he's not an idiot. No, and and as and what I love most, and and I'll get there in a second, but they have the vote, and literally everyone votes that. They had they can't sanction it, including Magneto and and um, except Nightcrawler, basically. Exactly, yeah. So it looks like the only ones who don't vote for it are Kate and, and Nightcrawler, and maybe Emma, but I think she does say she's in line with it, yeah. But I don't see her hand up, but I, I, I think she does support it. So Nightcrawler wants to join, Kate wants to join, but then the council also says, um. If you go, you will lose your spot on the council. You can't do this and sit on the council. And so Nightcrawler stays because Gene tells him, I'm going. We need you at least on the council. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't come back to the council, then you need to be on the council. Kate can't go because as she's reminded by Cyclops, or as she's lied to by Cyclops, we're going. What did that mean? Sorry, say the line and. So he says, Kate, we're traveling through a gate, which means she can't go if she wanted to because she can't go through a gate. But they aren't really traveling through a gate or they're going through like that eternal gate or everyone has known what's going on. Well, Emma telepathically tells Scott you shouldn't lie or something like that. Yeah. So the, the 
the my takeaway from that is either they're not traveling there through a gate that Kate couldn't go through because I think they're going through like the Avalon gate or something like or the eternal yeah. gate the some some gate that's just open you know what I mean yeah. like I think that's the that's what I took away or the other thing that I'm missing the something is, else <laughs> is her saying Scott you know she can you know like haha now you're in on the lie too you know what I mean yeah. like but either way Kate's not going because she thinks she can't. So the vote, the vote is if you go through the gates closing behind you, um, Cyclops tells him, I appreciate that. I know what I have to do. I know the difference between right and wrong. And I know these things because it was how I was raised. And he's looking at Xavier and he says that. Both and so, Xavier and Magneto. Cause like in different ways, there is, but there, that's my favorite part though. So, skipping through the apocalypse part so when you you point out the saying it to both xavier and magneto there's a scene right before he goes into the x-men are its heroes the x-men are the krakoa's heroes so here it is so he's saying this and in his visor you see reflections of both xavier and magneto and that's what i think is, is so powerful he says we are krakoa's heroes and we will save those who need saving whatever the cost and he tell he asked Jean, "Are you ready?" And she says, "I've just been waiting on you, dear." And the final shot of those two leaving the council to go be X Men and not Krakoans, and seeing Magneto and, and Xavier both smiling at them, and it's Magneto who says, "Good boy." Yeah, that was really nice. I fucking love that part. I fucking really, really chills to see them like to see that oh fuck, it's the X Men. Of course, like yeah. how does this end? How do we save the day? Oh, that's right. The X-Men come in and save the day, of course. You know what I mean? Like, we've been so long in this Kirkoan state of like, oh, it's a politics now. There are no true X-Men anymore. So like to end, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. The X-Men can just come in and save the day because it's an X-Men book. Oh, my God. Like, it was just so nice. In the context of the human world, they have Avengers. Yeah. They have governments, but they also have Avengers. Yeah. The Avengers will go save people in other parts of the world when they need to, you know? like Yeah. So the other storyline that's happening is the beginning of the duel between Apocalypse and Genesis. So before they start their fight, Apocalypse asks Genesis if she will remove the helm, whose name I am forgetting right now. Um, Holy God. Okay, I'm going to keep going, though. But So the, the, the helm that has been basically giving her that control over Amenth in the Amenthi army uh, so she does. She removes it, and they they begin their fight. As they fight, um, they're very well matched. And sorry, I'm just going to get back to it. So she draws first blood on Apocalypse, and it's a battle to the end. Like they can, it's either a battle to one of them submits or dies. So she keeps asking him to yield, and he says, "I will not yield." And they keep they fight more and more and finally apocalypse gets the jump on genesis and slices her in the gut and she falls down annihilation by the way annihilation thank you okay so the helm's name is annihilation so genesis is on the ground and says that he does not want this to end like this and asks her to yield so that she does not have to die. We can just end this. I don't want you to die. Yield. And she says she won't do it. 
and she reaches for the helm that's calling out to her and she puts it back on and says and then goes into full dark phoenix mode if you will yeah. just go, goes into full annihilation yeah. and calls forth the amenti army or is beginning to because it's where we get so she puts it back on and basically says i will not settle i'm done playing this game i'm i'm bringing war upon you now and so that's how x-men 15 ends which I'm brings us Wait. to the actual penultimate issue how many x's I gave it, I gave it five, man. That fucking, that fucking Scott Summers shit got me, man. You know I'm a sucker for Scott Summers to begin oh, with. Same, yeah. And you know I'm a sucker for fucking feel good X Men platitudes. So that 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 fucking that hit me. Uh, I gave it four. Really liked it. Every, I mean, everything was good about it. I, I think, like, like you just said, also the art wasn't the best for me. No, I yeah, I, I I wasn't thrilled with some of the artwork, but whatever. Okay. That's the only thing that kept it kind of lower, but yeah, uh, yeah. I hear you. Four, four X's for me. I hear you. Okay, so this brings us to Excalibur number. I don't know what number we're on. I have to look at my phone because I didn't get to buy this. Fifteen game. Excalibur fifteen. So we begin at the Starlight Citadel, and to quote my favorite opening of the uh, Powerpuff Girls, "Welcome to the Starlight Citadel." It's on fire. <laughs> so basically we open in the middle of a, of a fucking tragic event because as we left X-Men, Annihilation was calling forth the arm, the dark armies of a men. So we see them basically descending. We have this big shot of all of these creatures coming through the, somewhere from the ground, from portals in the sky. I don't really know how they're fucking getting there, but they're coming through. So the X-Men are fighting off these hordes of, of demon mutant hybrids. Yeah, demon mutant hybrid. Yeah, that's how, that's how I looked at it. And um, Annihilation continues its battle, I will say, with um, with Apocalypse. But before they could, Storm jumps in and electrocutes the fuck out of her. They pull Apocalypse away so they can, the rest of the X-Men pull Apocalypse away and try to reconvene because they're being outnumbered. We then cut to the swords of Arako, who are like... Uh, Actually, before, right before we get to that, though, there's a moment where Apocalypse is like, I'm not going to run for my wife. I yeah. feel like in that moment, that's when he decided to do his actual plan that he does at the end of the book, at the end of the next issue. Yeah, I, yeah, I think once he realized his plan of beating his wife and having her still live was yeah. not going to bring the worlds back together, I think this is when he came up with planned... Plan A, B, if you will. Yeah. All right, continue. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So yeah, so we cut, we show the X-Men kind of retreating. Then we cut to the swords of Arako kind of sitting around like, um, what do we do now? Is this really our fight? Like kind of like, um, all right, we're here, I guess. Which is weird because war is there too. And that is war's fight. So I don't really know. Yeah, that is, that is kind anyway. of odd actually. The other ones make sense. But yeah, yeah. I can see like, yeah, Pogger Pogapog just seeing like, yeah. Yeah. This is not what I agreed to. Like <laughs> so uh, the White Sword decides he's taking off. This ain't his fight. Um yeah, he doesn't even like these people. So <laughs> I, I, I don't like these people. I'm taking my people and leaving. That offends um Issaka the Unbeaten because she loves to war. Uh Pogger Pog, I think, decides to stay. I can't remember. But Bay decides I want to be with my husband. So she rushes across the battlefield, presumably to head over to Doug. 
We cut back to the Citadel where Shogo the Dragon and Saturnine are fleeing to the inner sanctum of the Citadel where we see her, we see uh, Saturnine put onto the ground all the pieces of one Betsy Braddock. You remember from the last Excalibur book when she fought Iska the Unbeaten, she shattered into like these mirror type shards. Well, it looks like Saturnine collected her up. Of course. Um, because that happened in an other world dimension, we'll find out uh, why you shouldn't fucking around with magic even when you're Saturnine. So, so we cut back to the battle outside. The X-Men are trying to come up with a plan. Bay jumps across the, the field, protects Doug. Doug convinces her to join their army after she uses her... her what what is his name? Black Thunder. What's the other guy's name who has that booming voice? Black. Oh, Black Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. She basically uses her Black Bolt power to push all the other mutants away, protecting Doug. And then she scoops Doug up and, and basically is like, "We got to get out of here." And Doug's like, "No, these are my friends. We got to go back." We cut back to Saturnine, who is putting together the pieces on the floor of a and drinking wine and, and lamenting to Shogo. The Battle continues to rage until finally Jubilee and the wood priestess that she's been living with join the battle because, um, yeah, her son is involved in this too. So with extra reinforcement, they're able to get some cover and come up with uh, another plan of attack. Doug is able to convince Bay to join their ranks. And as they are surrounded, Annihilation and her four horsemen come forth start closing in on the X-Men when Saturnines puts the final piece down for her Captain Britain puzzle is calling forth Captain Britain thinking that she knows what she's doing. When, when the Citadel calls Captain Britain, Captain Britain must answer, except she has shards from a Captain Britain that fell to pieces in basically the other world so she has shards of a bunch of different possible captain britons from all these different parallel universe who come rushing through including a captain britain swan who comes rushing through this portal that she's created and so we have a new captain britain corps ready to join the fight for the citadel yep and then that brings us to the conclusion of x of swords so, I gave this one probably the highest rank I've ever given Excalibur issue. I give it four. I gave it five. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it too. I really liked the twist that I think I gave it one extra star because it was very clear that even Saturnine was duped by her by magic at this point. Yeah. And, and this is magic, the non-character magic. <laughs> um, like, I think... It was one. I really enjoyed it that it even showed that somebody as powerful as Saturnine can fail when it comes at fucking around with magic when you do it for reason, impure reasons. And she was yeah. doing all of this magic to make a boy love her, basically. Basically, yeah. So we are down to the final issue X of Swords Destruction, part 22. Let's do this. Let's do it, man. So we have this epic battle with a bunch of different multiverse Captain Britons, a dragon, fairy. Dragon elf, is Shogo. 
Yes. Um, elves, right? I think that's what Jubilee brought. Elves. Jubilee brought the wood priestess from the other Excalibur ones that she was staying with. They were the they're the priestess that broke away from Saturnine because they thought she was too strict. So they basically just protect the forest around the Citadel. Mm. So then we have uh, Captain Avalon kind of looking just like, holy shit, that, that's pretty cool. My got, God. <laughs> Look up, mutants. Look up. The Captain Britain Corps has returned. And someone so goes, excited. don't just say me. That's a hard M. Don't just say mutants. Right? I, I really like, I was like, come on, dude. Look up <laughs> mutants. Like, my yeah. man, I know you're married to a mutant and your sister's a mutant, but you still can't be throwing that around like that. You can be like, look up, my friends. But why can't you do that? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So then I thought it was a really cool moment because I for- I totally forgot there's other summoners. I mm-hmm. guess that's, a- that's just a mutant ability in this area. So um, Annihilation asked the summoners to bring in all the fucking monsters. So you have like, I guess, Pestilence. and Because Death is the one who died. So Pestilence. Yes, death is gone. And what else? Pestilence, war, and famine. Famine. They come in riding these giant Cthulhu monsters, looking crazy badass. For this also did remind me that, like, oh yeah, the main summoner is still dead. That's yeah. crazy. They killed him. <laughs> he killed him. He's gone. He's gone, though. Yeah. Uh, then we have a continuation of the fight between Apocalypse and Annihilation. Uh, we have Cable being brought up to see Saturnine. And then we get we finally get this message trying to figure out what the fuck magic and uh, Cyclops oh, are talking about. See, okay, so this is so I this goes back to the last issue. Sorry, before we get to yeah. okay, never mind. Sorry. Tell them how they tell yeah. Once you say how the X-Men get there, then I'll so magic opens a giant fucking portal, bringing in the entire sword spaceship down upon saturnine's cathedral and the battlefield which means they did not travel through a gate to get there so that might maybe emma could read oh. scott's brain and knew what his plan was and like you're lying to her you're not going through a gate yeah so maybe scott doesn't know why she can't go through a gate still that's true yeah maybe but yeah that was bad that was genius and bad and it's a sword yes being involved in all this yes yeah, it's the ultimate sword so then in my head, when they said they're going to bring the X-Men, I thought like a handful of mutants would join them. No, Not we... like every fucking mutant. Yeah, but okay. So my favorite thing here is looking through and seeing, because again, everyone has something to risk here. Everyone knows that if they die here, they're gone forever. Yeah. And so looking through here and seeing why would these people risk being heroes and then realize and then trying like realizing because it's all a family thing right like the selling point was our family is in trouble yeah. so you see like dominoes there for for wolverine that's you know like that's a member of her family you got monet is is there for the betsy clan like she friends with them gambit and rogue are there because of jubilee and their teammates and wolfsbane is there because um doug is there in the new mutant yeah. connection you know like you see you me why gwenpool is there i just noticed that gwenpool is like right in the middle when that i can't figure out why gwenpool's there but i haven't been keeping up on gwenpool i'm just going to assume she's a hero and she's willing to sacrifice for herself for being a hero apparently? i didn't know even though she's a mutant all right yeah she i i believe in her gwenpool 
miniseries that just happened, she ended up on Krakoa at the end of that miniseries. Mm. But, but yeah, and armor being there is dope. You got, you got, um, Quentin Quire is there, which is, it's great to see Quentin there, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, these are the fucking heroes, you know, like, and it Amber. is nice just like them going all out, like, we're not holding back. We haven't had the feeling that we could die in a long time, but fuck it. We need to yeah. do this. We know this is the last stand. We've been willing to do it. And then having Gene be the one to say, calling forth as they crash into this world to for the sneak attack, it's Gene who says, to me, my X-Men. Like, yeah. it's fucking great, man. I just loved it. So the fight continues between Annihilation and uh, Apocalypse. We see some more crazy Cthulhu monsters being summoned out of this portal. They kind of look like the monsters from the end of uh, Hellboy 1, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, Remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Saturnine tells Cable, which card do you have again? He says, the Fool. And um, she says, yes, the Fool with the sword. The only Fool who would think that it's actually... Wait, sorry. And the only a fool would think that is what it actually is holding. He's actually holding. And he's like, oh God, I'm an idiot. Yeah. So when we found the sword, when they first used it, they used it to turn on the, I don't know how to describe it, the engine? I guess, yeah. yeah. It basically yeah. powers the sword space station. Yeah. And then they decided to turn it on again because last time they turned it on, this horde of interdimensional creatures just poured through. Well, they need an army right now. Could use an army. Could use an army. We don't really know what's going to happen, but fuck it. Let's just have this army come through this portal and see what happens. And yep. that's what happens. Like, it was pretty cool having these weird multi-armed space alien creatures burst through and start fighting. And the first thing they do when they burst through is kill the remaining summoners. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Um, Annihilation is kind of like waving through them because she's still really powerful. And then finally, Apocalypse pins her down, rips the mask off, and decides to put it on himself. Now, I will admit, I had a moment of like, <sighs> was this his fucking plan? Like, in an in the evil way? Uh-huh. <laughs> I had that him. moment too where I, I swear, so the scene that I think we both are talking about or like had that feel when he was like, I am remade. And then it's apocalypse, but over that bubble is now annihil- annihilation, the end of yeah. all things. I'm like, this motherfucker's whole plan was to think he could control annihilation and he was going to be the new annihilation. But I was so, only half right on that. Half right, yeah. Uh, now it's actually more of like a burden that he's going to take on because he feels he can handle it better than his wife could. And he's like kind of saving his wife from this terrible life of constant need to take over and destroy and everything i did like this little moment where one of saturnine's like priestesses was like you have to stop them mm-hmm. like she's now speaking up like this is getting out of hand like yeah. do you have a fucking plan do you actually have a plan because like yeah. shit's wild out there like i don't know if you see it we have dead cthulhu monsters everywhere we have archangel fighting these spider creature thingies like crazy shit's happening but saturnine uh, says not yet. Not yet. And it's like, what the fuck? What are we waiting for right now? So now Apocalypse, who's now Annihilation, says, I surrender because he represents the army now. He's saying he surrenders. The game is now officially over. And then we have uh, Saturnine flying 
Dro- Sh- Shogo? Yep. Yeah. Flying Shogo. And th- this is the kind of moment where I was like, she really did plan almost all of this out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So nice. let us put, she tells Shogo, let us put an end to this play and dispose of the players we no longer need. Shooting a magic fireball into that gateway with the weird alien creatures. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was them or if it was the army horde. It might have been both, honestly. Yeah. So it sucks them all in, and then Saturnine takes the mask of Annihilation and actually transforms it and turns it into a, like a staff. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to carry the burden. And she even tells like the mask to shut up. Like, I'm not worried about you. Like, your yeah. magic doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Which also says she couldn't have stopped all this from the beginning, but whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So we come to the end and Saturnine basically they have to have a trade to make this official. So basically someone someone has to stay from each place. And or they have to basically exchange for it. So like somebody from Araco has to go live in Krakoa yes. and some Krakoa mutant has to go live in Araco. And this actually reminded me or of a menth, I think, not a, a menth, sorry. Yes. Which is important. Yeah, that's an yes. important factor. Sorry. I need to for very important reasons. Yes. And that's reminding me, I don't know how much you know about the New Gods story. Do you know anything about that? Not, no, not much. In DC, the New Gods, there's a good and bad side. People who live on Apocalypse, so hell and heaven mm-hmm. and Genesis. And when they started it, to make sure there wasn't a war, um, Darkseid and Highfather had to switch children mm. to kind of guarantee safety of their own children. Yeah. So if you ever see New Gods and you see Orion, he's the son of Darkseid. And if you ever um, want to see an, another version of, of that in action, the new season of Fargo contains also the same. Does it? I haven't caught yeah. up in a while. They're like the different gangs in, in I forget what city this, it's starting in, because, you know, it's going to end in Fargo. But I don't yeah. Um, yeah, basically each each gang gives the other gang their youngest son to raise for like a year or something. To like, like you do. And so... Um, Apocalypse says that he will stay in uh, a match, and it's like, oh shit! I'm I'm thinking as as a reader, I'm just thinking like, that's uh, quite the sacrifice. But I guess he'll lead this whole new nation. No, uh, the other trade will be the entire island of uh, Akaro will be joined again with Krakoa. And I love I love this because it's Apocalypse who does this because that some. Saturnine asks who will speak for Krakoa and Scott steps up because he's saying well this is a war and in war the captains and Apocalypse says no in this I speak for Krakoa because he made this like this is his home like Araco and Krakoa being united was like or being disjointed was because of him like this is a, literally Apocalypse is making it right yeah and I did like, if you look at the close-ups they have of Apocalypse when he's talking, it looks like the mask did kind of drain him a little bit. Right, he looks hollow. Yeah, I feel like it's this like really intentional close-up and intentional artwork. Yeah. To show how he's like just been drained from this mask's energy. And it's just, he's kind of done. And now we have this whole new fucking world of whole new mutants who are raised in a totally different place, mm-hmm. reconnecting some of whom were prisoners you know what i mean some of them like now i I was confused because like does that include the white sword 
or does he live somewhere else? He live, I think he lives in a Memph. He just lives in a Memph, but not in not uh, on Araco, I believe. Not on Araco, yeah. Um, so before before we get too much further, I love as they're walking away, and Scott says to Apocalypse, you know, one of the greatest enemies of the X Men. They have that exchange, and where Cyclops tells him, "You didn't have to do that," and he says, "Of course I did." And then that kind of takes Cyclops off guard and he says, anything you want me to tell the professor Magneto and Apocalypse says just one thing that I will see them again someday. Because there's no, like, as far as we know, there's no, there's going to be no ability now to travel between these two dimensions. Yeah. So. So now here's, I think, because now we, we do have the family, the horseman minus death and Genesis leaving together, like kind of happy ending for these characters. Mm -hmm. Vaguely happy. Sure. Um, But I like how it ends with, it it, it ends with the cost now, you know, like, so we see, yes, a mother would be reunited with her child. That sword has now been activated. So that's got some kind of good potential, but Storm did return the sword to Wakanda, but as she says here, um, it wasn't enough. To, yeah. it, the rift is still there. The council is now lighter seats in, in mistrust there. There's a, a sneaky shot here of um, Solomon sneaking through the Avalon gate, which means our friend Solomon is now here on Earth. Well, technically, he didn't have to do that yeah, he right. did. Because if he went, if he went back to a month, he'd be cut off now forever. Oh, okay, yeah. But if he stayed on the actual island, he could have just joined. If he, yes, if he was still on Araco, he could have joined. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the key here is no one knows he's here. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think that's what we're supposed to take away from this is that he's doing it sneaky. Um, but I think something that's going to have a very um foreboding future for uh, Excalibur and our and our friends the the Braddocks is that um the crooked market and in Jim Jaspers the man who is who now has red root captive yeah also has like complete access to that blight spot world where Wolverine and and, and um Summoner fought and yeah. they kept going on and on about how it's like this untapped wealth of riches and like interdimensional fiber that you like can control worlds and shit some insanely powerful dude from the excalibur world from like years ago now has access to all this shit which i think is gonna be an issue and then we have that death isn't maybe dead yeah we see death um i guess is a vampire now yeah which fitting i guess undead death yeah and then we have a big celebration for uh, Lady Saturnine. But she's sad because she doesn't get what she wanted. Which is her uh, own, that the right, the Captain Britain being her, being, uh, what's his name? Brian. Yeah. Because she has a Captain Britain core, but they all kind of are just different versions of Betsy at this point. Yeah, basically, and she can't get the one she wants, and that makes her sad. After all this, she's sad about that. Yep. So here comes my one, or I guess a little bit of criticism for this issue. 
I feel like if any book need a, a true epilogue, like I want to, I know we can see other issues eventually, but I want to see the union between these two lands. I want to see Kokoa's reaction. Oh, I think we will. I, I'm sure we will. I want to see in this issue. Yeah. Like I want to see a cliffhanger to me would have been more of like a two sides of totally different mutants seeing each other for the first time and not knowing mm. what the fuck that means. An island being one again, being happy they're one again. Maybe the media's reaction of seeing Krakoa all of a sudden get way bigger, way more populated. Like I, I think like this is a few things they could have put in here. I I <clears throat> I see where you're coming from, but I think that's going to be the main premise of the next the quote unquote reign of X, right? Because now it's bigger. Definitely. Quite literally <clears throat> quite literally, Krakoa as a landmass is now going to be bigger. Um, yes. So it's going to take up more geopolitical space. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there's plenty of time for that. And I, I think for me personally, I'm looking forward to seeing it more when we're going to actually get something from it. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't right now, you know, because now it's they're going to just start dropping more hints and building up the story again. But um, yeah, well, that's the thing. Tying like, up this Saturnine thing, I think, was important because now we can fucking move on from this nonsense. Yes. Uh, that and I just want like the moment of seeing Xavier see all this and be like, so what's happening now? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, wait, and hi, also hi. the I do like that the first main X Men event really of this Dawn of X world didn't really deal with Xavier or Magneto. No, yeah, like they were there, but like that's not who the that's not who this was about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and also, I mean, all in all, I mean, let's just say now. I really like this event. Yeah. I think it took a second. It was a little jarring to get used. Oh, by the way, uh, four and a half X's for this issue. Yeah. I mean, about four. Yeah. Um, I really think it's jarring because I'm used to the past, what, 20 years of events have been strictly like, you know, six to 12 issues, really tight event, like no mm-hmm. extra stuff. Yeah, like, this is the main event. You can read the side issues and tie-in issues if you want, but this is what's happening. Yeah, and the main thing, and like especially now we've gotten used to it. If you read other comic books, Marvel and DC have at least two events a year. Yes, like summer and winter, basically like that. So like this wasn't that. This was no. a callback to the days of like Inferno, to the days Absolutely, of yeah. you know, like this was a callback to the old school X Men crossovers in which yeah. there was no. Like the fact that there were even these X of Sword books is is kind of a modern thing, you know. Like back in the day, the X Men crossovers were just that. It was X Men, then New Mutants, then if they were X, you know, then at that point um, X Factor, and then you know what I mean. Like yeah. they were literally just whatever that main event was, and then you're seeing it now with these characters. And oh, but look, cool! Some of these characters from that other book are interacting, you know, and that like. That was an old school X Men crossover, and this is yeah. as close as I've seen that in years. I know that was definitely the point. I'm sure. Yeah, and I and I I appreciated that as as a non as a as not a fan of the current style of galactic fucking shit all the time. Yeah, uh, I think after I got used to that aspect, I really started digging it. Like after yeah. I got used to the idea that this isn't going to be a perfectly linear event, mm-hmm. but more of like getting a little bit of everything around you. Yeah. I actually dug it and was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm on board now. Like, this is really good. Honestly, and- going in, I was very hesitant because I thought this was going to be like, oh, cool, just a bunch of battles. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, 
And then when I first, when I, that first twist of it's an arm wrestling match or it's a, like, I guess the first twist was the wedding really. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be fucked up. Okay. Yeah. okay. Now you're fucking with me. Yeah. Now, now I'm on board. They definitely took advantage of the style of event, but also I really feel like they could have easily went cliche ways, but instead yeah. it's like, no, we have, we had, it rings that they obviously had a clear vision, a clear path of mm-hmm. how they wanted to get to A, B, and C. Yes. And that's, again, we are so fucking lucky as X-Men fans right now, because that yeah. has not been something X-Men fans have had since fucking Chris, Chris Claremont wrote all of them himself. That's not a thing we get in basic events. In basic uh, yes, years. that's not a thing comic book fans are getting these days in general. No. An editor will jump in and say, no, change this last minute. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's fine. And, you know, I could, you could tell they've given all the reins to Hickman. Yeah. That was allegedly part of the deal that he made. Like, he's in charge. He's essentially the head editor. He's the booker of this wrestling company. Like, he is. his rules. Yeah. And I love that. When you could tell when you read it, like, it has a clear vision. It knows where it's going. And now we're building to the reign. We're at the dawn of X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to the reign of X-Men. Yeah. And who knows what they're going to be after that. Like, yeah, I know. And I, I do like one other thing about just like giving the reins to Hickman because that is clearly what they did. I do like that Hickman seems to not have a problem sharing those reins. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this one was very clearly always advertised as a Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard like brainchild. You know what yeah. I mean? And like that was always clear. And I, I, from my perspective, as somebody who doesn't read all the the rumors and news sites, I, I got that as as an outsider too. Like, no, this isn't just Hickman. This is also a Teeny Howard thing. Well, and it shows I, and I really appreciate that. Uh, ego, because yes. a lot of writers would not want that. One. No, exactly. And and it's not like Hickman it doesn't have an ego. He does. Like, yes. He'll be the first one to tell you. Oh, I've read his interviews and you're like, yes. okay, guy. But chill. like, he's also like, but that he's able to maintain that that ego in that, that sense of um, I'm, I'm good at what I do. You know what I mean? Like that pride in what he does while also being able to like share that spotlight and bring others with him, I think is, is fucking awesome. And I'm really glad he did. And I hope moving forward, the next event is like that too. Like a a Jonathan Hickman and Vita Aya product or, you know, whatever, but. So now we have the Reign of X-Men. We're going to get the Children of the Atom book soon, uh, which I saw an ad for at my comic book store. And it said something like, they're not clones. They're not hybrids. Find out what they are. Like yeah. some, some kind of ad like that. Yeah. Um, we have that, Sword so. that came out this week. Yeah. Sword didn't know because well. it wasn't in my books. It wasn't in my um, poll list. So I guess. And um, I'm really excited to see what the Reign, like it's obvious what Dawn of X meant. Mm-hmm we're seeing the beginning of this nation and we've seen issues about the beginning and the the money side of it the political side of it like we've seen the dawn of what this nation is becoming now reign of x can be looked at in many ways like could that mean they're gonna be hey we have our own space station now that could destroy places if we really want to yeah how are people gonna react to that (laughs) yep you know, now our nation's even bigger with even more mutants. How are yep. people going to react to that? Like, yep. everything's very volatile right now. And now Apocalypse isn't there, which some people might have considered a reason not to attack because it's yeah. fucking Apocalypse. But also that tips the balance a little bit. Like, Apocalypse was one of the bad guys, but he was also always on the side of mutants. Yeah. 
now you have Sinister as one of the voices of the bad guys, and he is never on the side of the mutants. No, he's on the side of Sinister and vague science. Yes, <laughs> junk science. Yes. <laughs> so but, I'm yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes next. Um, because I feel like we've been talking forever. This might be a very long episode. What's next for us? Our next episode will be finally covering god loves man kills it will be okay. me you and probably jessica also all right maybe if you want your significant other to pop in for a I, quick I i pitched it to her and she didn't seem against it so maybe we, we'll see we'll see i'll bring like it most up things again. to talk about if she's not completely against it try again um so <laughs> that'll be our next episode and then i'm thinking after that we'll cover the newest books okay sounds good and then after that we'll do ranking all the x-men movies yeah we could do like a, a new year special or something with the X-Men yeah movies. new year new not getting fox x-men movies probably <laughs> eventually marvel x-men movies they didn't announce that yesterday that was not in their big news. yeah whatever i didn't see it either i know i, I still the, think the lack of x-men is always noticed by me you know that well i i still am i am putting money on it they're gonna reference me in somehow in um wandavision We'll see. I think so because one, people have been translating stuff in the background, and there's been two separate things in the trailer from two different like eras. If you guys don't know, WandaVision is Wanda giving not giving birth to Vision, but like bringing back Vision, and they're stuck in some kind of neighborhood where time is shifting. So it's like different eras of television, which is really creative. And they even filmed it in front of a live studio audience the first episode. This was back when people could do such things. Yeah. So like in the background though there's one episode or i guess one scene where they're talking to another couple and there's a uh, a bottle of wine that's in french it translates to like house of misery and then there's another scene where something else like in german translates like to house of madness and i'm like okay so they're putting house of m in the background different languages yeah there has to be a re- it, it, it can't just be a nod it's never just a nod and allegedly quicksilver from x-men is going to be in this show also. Okay. It's been a big rumor. So, right. I don't know, but if he's in there, they're going to reference something. If you're going to yeah. have two Quicksilvers. Can't do that. Um, yeah, I, I will. I just want mutants to be in Disney, man. I just, just they're going to do it eventually for sure. We all know they're eventually going to do it. It's just how they're going to do it. I honestly, I've said it for a long time. I think it'd be really clever if you find out that a long time ago, Wanda already did the no more mutants. Yeah. And there's a whole nother timeline that would have happened. Yeah. Cause it would make a lot more sense of where the, like if right now, I feel like if you just brought in Xavier Magneto and the rumor was like, they were going to be black and based off the civil rights movement instead of mm-hmm. the Holocaust, like, which would make sense, but also where have they been since Thanos attacked? Like, yeah. yeah. So it would actually make a lot of freaking sense if Wanda did no more mutants already and then just erased everyone's mind. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how we get there, man, but I cannot fucking wait. Cannot wait. So, all right, guys, that's the plan for the future. Thank you for listening to this first epic run of Dawn of X with us. It it means a lot. You guys have been awesome. You guys have been interacting with us online, leaving reviews. But you know what? You could do more. More reviews. You could do do better. You could do so much better. I I should have stopped recording a minute ago. I didn't know he was going to turn on everybody that way. (laughs) 
New you guys season. are doing good. You guys are doing great. You guys are dealing with us in our unusual schedule. Yeah, sure. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to get more recording in. I feel Definitely. I feel good about the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, this has easily been our most successful podcast we've done in all these years. One one thousand percent. Very and true. And we it's all because of you guys. All because you guys stick with us and like listening to us talk for some reason more than our significant others sometimes. So you know what? We really sure appreciate don't. it. We appreciate you guys. And you know what? If you want to talk to us some more, Josh, where could they find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Xbrarian. That's librarian with an X. Ooh, scandalous. You can find me on Twitter at Madman3005. And until next time, guys, we will see you deep in the depth of a- Ameth and Akira. <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong one more time. We'll see you next time.